Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, this is Paris Hilton. Trapped in Treatment is back, and this season we're taking on WASP, the worldwide association of specialty programs and schools. They held us in dog cages. They starved us. They beat us. It was trying to brand us. So we were going to become the McDonald's in treatment. Join my host as they unravel the story of the largest and most shocking organization in the history of the troubled teen industry. Listen to season two of Trapped in Treatment on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. School of Humans. Pterocarpus tinctorius is a slow-growing evergreen native to the heart of southern Africa. It goes by many names, Padauk de Afrique, Barwood, and Bell, and in Zambia, locals call it Makula. Makula is a defining feature of Zambia's landscape. It attracts pollinating bees, provides leafy greens for chimps and colobus monkeys, and is a major source of shade in rural villages. And its wood, as my friend Alan Schwartz has told me, is undeniably beautiful. The thing about the Tinctoris is it's intensely red. It really, really is bright. And that bright red color lasts for a very long time. That beautiful red makes Makula an attractive material for luxury furniture, cabinets, and floors. It is extremely desirable in China and Vietnam. The price of it is insanely high. But the tree's desirability has been its curse. I don't think there's any left of it in the north of Nigeria or Cameroon. In the far north of Mozambique on the border with Tanzania, there were probably no more than about 2,000 cubes of standing timber. And literally within one season, all of that was gone. And what's extra creepy about it is that when you cut down a makula, beads of dark red sap ooze to the surface. Makula means the tree that bleeds. The tree that bleeds. For loggers, rosewoods are like gold. In fact, the UN estimates that between 2005 and 2014, about 35% of the planet's seized wildlife was rosewood. Not ivory, not tiger bone, rosewood. Today, loggers eye Makula as the next big thing. Within the past decade, they flocked to groves in Zambia. Just a few years ago, you only had to drive 30 miles outside of Zambia's capital city of Lusaka to find towering patches of Makula. 
Now, the closest large population is more than 600 miles away. The Zambian government has tried to stop illegal cutting. They've enacted a series of on-again, off-again restrictions in hopes of saving the tree. Now, Alexander von Bismarck, the guy from the last episode at the Environmental Investigation Agency, explains. Zambia responded to, to really public pressure by implementing their own zero export quota, or effectively a ban. But it didn't stick. Those bans were not worth the paper they were written on. Container after container was flowing out of Zambia to China for their demand for this, this red wood, for red wood furniture in China. In a 2017 speech, one government official stepped up to ask why. The government has put a stringent restriction in place. But to our surprise, the logging continues. Who does the government think is the main culprit in this activity? That is a good question. So in 2017, the Environmental Investigation Agency went undercover. They cooked up aliases, pretending to be investors and timber traders. They wore secret cameras and microphones. And they plunged into the forest and snuck around high-rise offices. What they found shocked everybody. I'm Summer Rain Oaks. From School of Humans and iHeart Podcasts, this is Bad Seeds. To understand what's happening in Zambia, you have to know about an event that rocked China 25 years ago. It's 1998, and the forecast calls for rain. First comes El Nino, and then, without any break, La Nina. As rain pours, sheets of snow on the Qinghai-Tibet Plateau start to melt, draining into China's rivers. The Yangtze, Sanghua, and Nintiang rivers swell. And for the next 60 days, floods swallow farmland and destroy homes, hospitals, and schools. More than 3,700 people die. 15 million are left homeless. Just as many farmers lose their crops. And a total of 223 million people, then a fifth of China's population, is affected. But when it comes time to assess the damage, Chinese officials do not blame the excess rainfall. They look to the past, because for the previous half century, China had clear-cut its woodlands. In some parts, 50% of the forest had disappeared. The deforestation caused soil to erode. Vast blankets of silt drained into the waterways and settled, making rivers more shallow. The country's waterways couldn't hold as much rain as they used to. Deforestation, in other words, had helped cause the floods. The government swiftly banned logging in the country's natural forests. They started a major replanting program, and they restricted logging to a handful of state-owned farms. It was one of the most dramatic conservation policies ever enacted. But it had consequences. 
because the country's thirst for timber did not diminish. It soon became the world's top importer of wood. Now, in the words of Forest Trends and NGO, the vision for a greener China may end up exporting environmental damage to other, more vulnerable countries. Among them, Zambia. Demand from China for the mukula tree was、uh, overwhelming and was devastating that population of of tree, and that it was clear that it wasn't going to be long before it would be economically extinct and and ultimately biologically extinct. In Zambia, trees are a big economic driver. The forestry sector employs 1.1 million people. And contributes to more than five percent of the country's GDP. It's such a big deal that in Andola, the Premier League soccer club is called the Forest Rangers. The fees collected from forestry are important too. They help build hospitals and schools and keep the economy humming. As a result, most people in Zambia understand that it's important to harvest trees at a healthy pace. Overlogging could destroy all of this economic momentum, because no trees means no money. The concern is that it really threatens the economic future of the country. Deforestation is identified as one of the major threats to Zambia's sustainability, to agriculture, to ecosystem services that are given to everybody by the landscape. Preventing deforestation is an economic priority. And one of the groups responsible for helping that mission is the Zambia Forestry and Forest Industries Corporation, better known as Zafico. That is a long-standing company in Zambia that was really controlled by state officials. Zafico employs thousands of people and manages 50,000 hectares of plantations, where it grows pine and eucalyptus, making things like utility poles and fences. On their website, a slick corporate values page states, "We put Zafico's obligations above our personal interests and conduct ourselves in a manner that is beyond reproach." Now, around 2016, Zafico was on the forefront of stopping the illegal theft of makula. The Zambian government had banned logging makula. When the feds seized illegal shipments, they handed it over to Zafico, who auctioned off the logs. The thinking went: If we catch you cutting makula, we'll take those logs from you. You'll get no money, and then we, the public, will enjoy your profits. As one Zambian politician put it, the people need to benefit from their trees. They just can't experience the deforestation for nothing. Let makula revenue build hospitals with maternity wings. Zafico reported that they made 4.3 million dollars from the first seizure. All of it going to important state services, to where it is desperately needed, to schools, to hospitals, to infrastructure. In 2017, the country tightened the clamp even more, banning movement of makula logs. In a speech, Zambia's Minister of Lands and Natural Resources, Jean Kapita, made it clear: Zambia is not going to allow any transit of makula logs on its soil. The borders suddenly choked with trucks hauling timber. Once again, the same story played out. The logs were seized. Zafico gained control. It auctioned them off for the people's benefit. In government, 
Minister Kapata rejoiced in the ban. The mukula tree is too valuable to be left to a small part of the population to reap the benefits. Many Zambians applauded the effort too. They didn't know that undercover agents with the Environmental Investigation Agency had discovered that Zafico was engaged in a cover-up. We just heard the alarm calls uh, four years ago or so, and there was really outrage on the ground by the people for what was happening to, to their forest. Just listen to one of their secretly recorded conversations. If you really follow the trend in Zambia, individual Chinese companies have gotten export permits. Now, the ones that are responsible for the facilitation of these export permits, it is Zafiko. It's just some very, well, to some extent, I must confess, it's just a small cartel. Zafiko was, quote, a small cartel. In the same secret recording, the source had even harsher words. And that is how the Zafiko comes in, as just a conduit of, of, of crime. A conduit of crime. The state had a dirty secret. Zafika wasn't just seizing illegal logs. Zafika was also cutting them down and then sneaking them into the stockpile of seized logs. Zafika, in other words, was using the seizures as a cover. It was the chief mechanism for getting the wood out of the country to China with a veneer of legality. So much for that slick company values page saying they put their obligations above their personal interests. The question agents had was, who in government was behind the cover-up? To find out, they would have to go deeper. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And, of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, this is Paris Hilton. Trapped in Treatment is back, and this season we're taking on Wasp. They held us in dog cages. They starved us. They beat us. They burned us and subject us to really horrible, uh, cruel and unusual punishment. After my personal experience at Provo Canyon School, I was shocked to learn that a man named Robert Litchfield, a man who got his start at the school that I went to, 
would go on to create a multi-million dollar empire. He was trying to brand us. So we were going to become the McDonald's in treatment. The Worldwide Association of Specialty Programs and Schools. They prey on, you know, a parent's really natural and beautiful love for their children in a really, really, unfortunately, effective way. At this time in my life now, if someone presented this program to me, and not just because I've already experienced it, sham, scam, beware. Listen to season two of Trapped in Treatment on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Are you ready to fight back against crime? Hi guys, Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies, personally investigating, prosecuting, and covering literally thousands of cases. It's so easy to think it will never happen to me or my family, but that is simply not true. Every day on Crime Stories with Nancy Grace, we shine a light on unsolved homicides, heat up cold cases, and help find missing people, especially children. We speak with family members, investigators, CSI, reporters, and experts in every field. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. In 2017, undercover sleuths from the Environmental Investigation Agency began tapping into Zambia's illegal Makula trade. Understandably, Von Bismarck couldn't give us too many details of how exactly his agency managed to infiltrate the illicit logging operation. We have to protect our sources, particularly in the cases where the corruption is so serious that it is really very dangerous for anybody that speaks up. But uh, generally, in an investigation like this, we tend to go undercover to talk to people along the supply chain as fellow traders. Pretending to be an interested buyer, an EIA agent sat down with a Makula trafficker, with, of course, his trusty recorder rolling. So what we are here is to um, try to buy some uh, Kukula. That's what I need. Yes. Can you still do that? That's my business. Oh, that's your business. That's what I didn't care. Okay. The agent's voice is obscured for his safety, which is why it's kind of hard to understand. Uh, what concerned of, is that awful or is that illegal or legal? Uh, it is illegal, uh, but this is it, so. It's open. It's open. Now it's open. People are taking The trafficker tells the agent that Makula trading is his business. And although it's illegal, it's open. The EIA would have many more conversations like this, such as this one with a Chinese trafficker. We had some actors translate. Are there still a lot of Makula trees out there? If we keep logging like this, in two years... All Makula trees will be logged in North Province. So they're almost extinct? Almost. Five years ago, you see Makula everywhere in East Province. Everywhere you go, basically. Now, there's nothing. It's interesting when you're just having a conversation with with traffickers. uh, 
is kind of shooting the breeze, uh, business to business, you do often find people who are conflicted. We had traffickers talk about that it's very clear that that species is going to be gone very soon. So in the context of those kind of conversations that were recorded, the truth from really multiple well-placed sources, meaning traders, people doing the work, uh, the truth became pretty clear. Indeed, as the agency crept through the underworld, they discovered all the ways Zafico laundered illegal wood. One way was through phony permits. If you are a, a corrupt official, there are a lot of ways you can use permits, even when theoretically cutting is not allowed. You have the ability to use all kinds of paperwork to allow that wood to move. Hey, you've got a ban in place, but this is a exceptional permit or a special permit, or it is covering maybe a fallen wood from a storm. In the words of one trafficker, whose testimony is in the EIA's final report, Zafico was even in charge of some logging. It's always their own logged wood. They'll handle the logging. After you pay them, you go to their concession and load your trucks. They will handle the exporting permit, and you're good to go. The report says that Zafico was, quote, allowing anyone with enough money and high-level connections to secretly export freshly cut makula logs out of Zambia. The anyone with enough money bit is key. Another trafficker stated, If you are not willing to pay, I won't be able to get you this permit. Makula itself does not cost a lot of money, only $5,000 per container. Transport costs another $8,000 U.S. The rest is government fees. By fees, he means bribes. Getting those permits ended up costing around $15,000. So more than half of the value of, of a container was spent on getting these illegal permits, making payments to officials to cover for entirely illegally stolen wood. And there was really only one way to even pay those bribes. If you have connections with high-level relations, you can get an export permit with Zifico. You needed to know people with high-level relations. Zafico, in other words, was not just a government agency that had gone rogue. The fake permits were coming from higher up. And as one trafficker described, only for special people. Only for special people. Okay. I cannot do it. You cannot do it. Okay. Do it. Or even hire people. Yeah. Uh, Help of course. Number three. Number three. As yeah. a minister or minister. That audio is tough to hear. So if you missed any, the trafficker suggests that you have to be connected to the country's third highest government official. Zambia's then-justice minister. That's when von Bismarck realized something, that the bans on Makula were part of an even greater conspiracy. Controls were simply used by the most powerful to control the trade rather than to actually stop the trade. It was being used really as a way to limit the trade to the most powerful. The EIA realized if it was going to get to the bottom of the Makula heist, its agents would have to work their way up to the highest rungs of Zambia's government. 
It started by finding a foot soldier among the country's political elite. I am in the system. I work in the system. I work in the government. The government worker offered agents help with paperwork, export permits, certificates, all of it illegal. And he didn't stop there. The worker explained how the logs would be shipped, where they'd be shipped, the corrupt customs agent they'd meet at the port, and how to properly misdeclare the wood on documents to trick clean agents. But you still needed approval from higher up. You had to pay so-called fee. When agents talked with a Chinese trafficker, they got some helpful advice on who exactly to talk to. How did you get the logs out? We are one of the three exporters who got the permits there. We were able to get containers out of Zambia since then. So you've been shipping out for a year? Yes. We have been in this business for over 10 years in Zambia. Did you mention last time that you were partnering with the Minister of Land and Natural Resources? Yes. Female minister? Yes. Her name is Kapata? Yes. Jean Kapata, the Minister of Lands and Natural Resources, the same person who you might remember gave a speech in Poland celebrating the Makula ban, calling the wood, quote, too valuable for just a small part of the population to reap the benefits. It turns out that small part of the population, she was a part of it. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And, of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, this is Paris Hilton. Trapped in Treatment is back, and this season we're taking on Wasp. They held us in dog cages. They starved us. They beat us. They burned us and subject us to really horrible, uh, cruel and unusual punishment. After my personal experience at Provo Canyon School, I was shocked to learn that a man named Robert Litchfield, a man who got his start at the school that I went to, would go on to create a multi-million dollar empire. He was trying to brand us. So we were going to become the McDonald's in treatment. The Worldwide Association of Specialty Programs and Schools. They prey on, you know, a parent's really natural and beautiful love for their children in a really, really, unfortunately, effective way. At this time in my life now, 
if someone presented this program to me and not just because I've already experienced it. Sham, scam, beware. Listen to season two of Trapped in Treatment on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Are you ready to fight back against crime? Hi guys, Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies, personally investigating, prosecuting, and covering literally thousands of cases. It's so easy to think it will never happen to me or my family, but that is simply not true. Every day on Crime Stories with Nancy Grace, we shine a light on unsolved homicides, heat up cold cases, and help find missing people, especially children. We speak with family members, investigators, CSI, reporters, and experts in every field. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I want to share two numbers with you that are going to make you see the world a little differently. 15 to 30. That is, 15 to 30 percent of all the wood on the market right now is illegal. Throughout human history, forests have been a real problem because they're difficult to know what's going on inside them. And when you have huge demand on one side of the world for a certain tree in a, in a deep forest, it still becomes pretty easy to steal it. Corruption is everywhere. In Romania, the police tasked with monitoring illegal logging, that is the group designed to track corruption, are themselves allegedly corrupt by organized criminals. In eastern Russia, mafiosos were recently caught supplying illegal hardwood to Americans, eventually selling stolen wood to your local lumber liquidator store. The stories go on. A governor in Peru, the vice president of Gabon, the environment minister in Brazil. According to the United Nations Office on Drugs and Crime, most government workers who get caught committing wildlife crimes are just foot soldiers. A third are police. 19% work in administration, and 7% are elected officials. To von Bismarck, he could understand why someone on the lower rungs might be seduced by illegal logging. They need the money. I think you have different motivations and you have different situations along this chain. But it's those with power, those with money, that he's most disappointed by. Those are the decision makers in that chain that are particularly tragic, that have the power to say no and don't do it. In Zambia, high-level government, while giving speeches about the dangers of the Makula trade, were not only in direct talks with the traffickers, but were extorting them. EIA agents talked to one Chinese trafficker who complained that the bribes were so high that only wealthy traffickers could afford them. The export permit is very expensive. Actually, to some extent, it's more expensive than buying the product and bringing it here to Lusaka because that's how Zifico has done it. If they are telling you to produce $15,000, where do I get that money? 
It means they are telling me, "Don't do the business. That it is for the big boys." So fifteen thousand dollars is the price you have to pay for the document. Yes. Okay. So does the government actually have that money? Does that go into the country, or does it just get pocketed? That's for the big boys. They want to make money themselves. It's not for everyone. It's for them, the big boys, and the big girls. Are there just a few big people, or many? A few. I think just five. Just five people, all the way at the top, making fifteen thousand dollars per illegal permit. So agents kept plugging to see if they could get names besides Jean Capata and the justice minister, and they got one, Lungu, Tasila Lungu. Who is she? The daughter of the president. Yes, of course. They fight and lose everything. The Makula scheme was far bigger than Zafiko, and much bigger than a few dirty ministers. It went all the way to the top, to the president's daughter, and to the president of Zambia, Edgar Lungu himself. According to these Makula dealers, the daughter was allegedly the glue of the operation, the vital person linking most traffickers with the highest level of government, including the president. They have Mukula taken, diverted by the daughter of the man, the daughter of the president. Whatever comes, she gets fist of fist. So someone pays to the president. The answer they alleged was yes. I don't give money to the president directly. I bribe those who are above ministers' level. Above the ministers, so you don't have to pay the ministers. I have a good connection with people around president who collect money for him. According to a report by the Zambian newspaper Newsdiggers, the president allegedly surrounded himself with people who collected money on his behalf, people who acted quote like the president's housekeeper. Another person in the conspiracy who worked in government explained it succinctly: quote, "We are protected by the party, by the government." The corruption was so high level that the paperwork could be really seem pristine. Enough to get through even neighboring countries that are supposed to not allow that trade. So here's a fun fact: in Zambia, you could go to jail for three years for criticizing the president. The country's libel laws are a strict clamp on the freedom of the press, preventing everybody from opinion columnist to TV satirist, even regular citizens, from criticizing the head of state. So when the EIA's report came out, they got sued. A few individuals that were mentioned in the report、uh, sued us for libel, and、uh, we made clear that we stand entirely by the evidence that is、uh, very plainly available in the report.、Uh, since then, there's been more evidence, evidence that has been presented that、um, really corroborates the findings. Zafiko has denied any wrongdoing. Jean Capata, who currently is being investigated under corruption charges, has called the EIA's report fake. And Tasila Lungu, the president's daughter, who is reportedly at the center of the cabal, stated, "I have not, at any juncture, been involved in either of the alleged criminal transactions." And beyond putting Zambia's political leaders on the defensive, EIA's work sent shockwaves elsewhere too. 
In 2019, its reporting helped make Makula an internationally protected species. Unfortunately, the illegal trade appears to continue. For every Makula tree Zambia claims to send, China receives about six. And those numbers just don't add up. The demand is still there, so the motive is not entirely removed. And so the question is, do we put the mechanisms in place to be able to stay on top of it? The Makula trade in Zambia brings in an estimated $7.5 million in bribes every year. To stop it, the first aim is to educate people, people like you and me. It's right to point fingers at, at some real criminal elements, but we have to be very aware of our own, our own role. U.S. consumers and European consumers are incredible financiers of the same kind of destruction and corruption because they don't, we don't have the motivation to ask the extra question of where does our furniture come from? What is really the impact at the beginning? In the meantime, places like the EIA are coming up with tricks to stop the trade. In some places, we had some great breakthroughs in Romania, for example, ethical hackers worked on a system that allowed you to see every logging truck move in real time and uh, test it against uh, other data sets to determine its legality. We've seen now in places that were beset by illegal logging, uh, the really mind-blowing opportunity to uh, take a picture of a logging truck's license plate and within seconds be able to determine whether that truck was legal or illegal. Those technologies can be game changers. But so can the ballot box. Today, Zambia has a new president and new ministers. Time and investigations will tell if the culture might change with them. It's about political will. I think we can do it if, um, if people want to. Coming up, the plants that occur here, many of them occur nowhere else in the world. The vault underground is actually within uh, half a meter thick reinforced concrete. The idea was it could withstand a plane going down. They hated him down in Brazil. They thought he had raped the nation. He was the devil incarnate. I'm Summer Rain Oaks. Join us again next time for Bad Seeds. Bad Seeds is a production of School of Humans and iHeart Podcasts. I'm your host, Summer Rain Oaks. Lucas Riley is our writer. Gabby Watts is our producer. And Amelia Brock is our senior producer. Fact-checking is by Savannah Hugley and Zoe Farrow. Original music is by Claire Campbell. Sound design and score is by Jesse Neiswanger. Our show art is by Pam Peacock. Development was by Brian Lavin and Jacob Selzer. Special thanks to our voice actors, Kate Liu, Carl Zhao, Patrick Matukwa, Emwiza Simwanza, Amos Sakapu, Susie Zulu, and Lee Senford. Executive producers are Brian Lavin, Elsie Crowley, Brandon Barr, Virginia Prescott, and Jacob Selzer. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. 
Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, this is Paris Hilton. Trapped in Treatment is back, and this season we're taking on WASP, the worldwide association of specialty programs and schools. They held us in dog cages. They starved us. They beat us. It was trying to brand us. So we were going to become the McDonald's in treatment. Join my host as they unravel the story of the largest and most shocking organization in the history of the troubled teen industry. Listen to season two of Trapped in Treatment on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.